0: From the advertising media capital of the world, New Milford, Connecticut, wherever that is. This is Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, a bi-weekly-ish podcast about all things automotive marketing. Now, here's your host, Matt Wilson. Ah, yes, hello. Welcome to another edition of Multi Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson, where I'm hearing some strange, like, bell thing in the background. I don't know what the heck that is. What is that? Anyway, welcome to the podcast. My name is Matt Wilson. One of the cool things... What is that? It sounds like a... Oh, it's my alarm. There you go. There you go. Look at that. Mm. One of the cool things that we're doing today on uh, Multi Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is we're uh, streaming it live on uh, video on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks to restream.io restream.io allows you to stream live to 30 plus social platforms at once. So this is on, uh, Facebook, on uh, two Facebook pages on YouTube, theoretically, hopefully, and on Twitch, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of Twitch, but it's a thing and I could hook up to it. So, uh, so I did that. So anyway, um, If you're listening on the normal podcast methods, thanks for listening. Welcome back. If you are watching on one of those channels, mostly automotive marketing with Matt Wilson is a bi-weekly-ish podcast all about marketing in the automotive industry, mostly, right? And it's brought to you by Stoke, which is my favorite drink. It is coffee. It is fantastic. And I love it. Let's take a sip of it real quick. Hold on. Mm, So good. Although I brushed my teeth, so it tastes a little little weird. But anyway, uh, not here to talk about Stoke. Here to talk about marketing in the automotive industry, which is a uh, very full subject because there are a lot of things to talk about. And right now, what is the buzzword that is out there in the automotive world right now? Buzzwords, rather. It's digital retailing, right? I was talking to a dealer friend who said that... um, since the pandemic started, he has gotten hundreds, maybe he's exaggerating, but a lot of phone calls from vendors about digital retailing, talking about the importance of digital retailing, which is kind of a broad term. It can mean a couple of different things. It can mean, uh, you know, those traditional payment calculators that you could look at uh, that you could have on your website. Uh, it could mean a, um, process to buy a car online or start the process online. It's a very broad term, but, uh, Talking to a lot of dealers, there's sometimes is something missing from the digital retailing world. And I was reading some stuff on LinkedIn and I came across a gentleman who wrote uh, an article on LinkedIn that I really liked. that kind of honed in on some of the uh, digital retailing uh, benefits and drawbacks. And his article was called From Click to Brick, providing a seamless customer experience from online to offline, and he's going to join me now here on Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. He is the Digital Marketing Manager for Nielsen Automotive Group, and his name is Colin Karasquilo.
1: That was really good. How Hi, do you- Matt. Thank you for having me. Yep, Karis Willow and uh, shout out to Restream. This is absolutely incredible. Very happy to be on your first live broadcast. So let's hope everything goes smoothly, no hitches, and I'm going to have to try some uh, some Stoke because I am a coffee fanatic. I probably have six cups a day. There yes, is. hashtag not an ad, six. but I need to try some uh, some Stoke. That, that seems awesome. So happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You got to try the Stoke. It's awesome. It's in a green bottle or a red bottle. It's at the grocery store. Hashtag not an ad, but it is the <laughs> (laughs) best cold brew out there I love it my wife and I are hooked on it uh back to the name I'm glad that I got it right it was Kara Squillo
1: yes awesome
0: so uh and you are with Nielsen Automotive Group the digital marketing manager you're a bit of a uh self-proclaimed uh geeky nerd I believe is what I read uh so let's talk about some geeky nerd stuff in the automotive industry what do you say man
1: I love it. I think that sounds like a plan. The other word I came up with yesterday was marketer and so I've dubbed myself a person, basically an experimarketer. I hope it's not out there because you know if there's trademarks, I'm sorry, but uh, a person that likes to experiment with all thing marketing. So let's uh, let's get into some experiments and talk about what's going on. So uh,
0: I like it, experimarketer. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about digital retailing. We you know. I have the discussions. I'm an account director at an agency and I'm a former, uh, like you, former, uh, well, you're currently, but I was a marketing director for a group. And so I've seen both sides of it, right? And digital retailing obviously has been uh, the buzzwords and the hot topics, and it can mean so many different things. But I have always believed that uh, it has to be embraced on the dealer side and there has to be some kind of uh, process to handle it internally, right? One of the things that drove me nuts and still drives me nuts is when a customer does something online or uh, something lead related by putting in a lead. And then that message is not carried over to whoever the person sees when they come in, whether it's the receptionist, salesperson, sales manager, BDC manager, whatever it is. And uh, in your article, you talk about that uh, being an issue. Expand upon that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as dealers, we invest in a lot of tools that we put on our websites to, you know, basically cater to consumer, uh, consumer shopping behavior, you know, allowing people to build payments online, you know, value their trades, do basically everything from soup to nuts online. But those same tools that dealers have invested good earned money in, uh, there's a disconnect now. So what happens is we make the experience frictionless, if you will, but actually we're creating friction on the dealer side of things. Because just like you mentioned, whether you have a BDC setup or uh, there's kind of this lost in translation moment, where you have an individual who's reaching out to this lead that's come into your website, a, an active, engaged shopper. And from there, they're reaching out just to basically say, hey, we received your information, when can you come in for an appointment? When the customer already might have built out their payments, they valued their trade, You know, really they want numbers, they want information. Um, and I know we'll talk about kind of the Amazon effect a little bit later, but uh, what we're seeing and what we saw at our dealership before we kind of had this whole process overhaul was just that. As a consumer, I'd go online, I'd do a lot of work. I'd spend a lot of time. The auto, You know, an automobile is probably the most, uh, second most expensive thing you're going to purchase. So it takes a lot of research, right? So a person would go on, they would do all of that legwork, they would show up to the dealership, and they would start all over again. And I mean, talk yep. about in the age of customer experience where that's becoming very, very important what a poor customer experience, you know? So it's an opportunity for dealers to really uh, hone in on and take advantage of what's going on in the world now to make their customer experience better.
0: I was reading some um, online reviews the other day for a dealership. And one of the common themes I was seeing at this particular dealership was I called in, I scheduled an appointment. I mentioned the two cars I wanted to test drive. The person on the phone said they'd have them uh, they'd be ready for me, have them cleaned up out front. And when I get there, I could do it. And then the guy said, I showed up a couple hours later. The receptionist had no idea who I was. The cars were not cleaned. And the person who I spoke to was nowhere to be found. And I think that this is very similar to that. In It, it doesn't instill confidence in you as a buyer, as a first uh, first impression.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a nightmare scenario. <laughs> I was I was going to go, yikes, you know, literally when that happens, because... What you want to do is bridge the gap between what happens online and offline. Um, and that's why I essentially wrote the piece uh, from Click to Brick, because that's what it's all about. It's really about the customer. You know, they always say the customer is always right. But I like to say that an informed customer and a customer that has a good customer experience is the customer that you're going to retain and the person that you want to continue doing business with. And ultimately that you want to choose your dealership for a transaction like a car purchase. So I think, um, you know, what you listed out there, what you just talked about as this review. I mean, talk about the importance of reviews too. Now that's been disseminated out to all of these you know, platforms, whether it was a Google review you saw, or if it was a Facebook recommendation, or if it was on dealer rate, or all these different platforms that people go to, I mean, if I saw that as a customer, and I said, Oh, cool, I called in, they really didn't care about what I said, they weren't ready for me, I'm not going to do business with that dealership.
0: Yeah. How important is it from a process standpoint? Uh, Because there's a disconnect between sometimes the BDC might not I hate to blame BDCs for this, but as marketing people, we spend a lot of time with our BDCs, right? And sometimes there's a disconnect between what the customer's perception of what they're doing online is and then what the actual process or the way they're treated in the store is. So how important is it from a sales manager or general manager down for there to be a process in place? This customer is coming to us this way with this expectation. So we handle this customer this way. We handle this customer this way. We handle this customer this way. How important is that And how can a dealership roll out that process? You can't just ignore it. It has to be part of your DNA. I'm going to put a hat on when you answer. Hold on.
1: So (laughs) there you go. Nike, just do it. Hashtag not an ad. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. So with that, to answer your question, I mean, ultimately, process is king. I, I forget who told me this and I wish I could give this person credit. I might have seen it on another webinar. Um, obviously, digital retailing, like you said, has been a buzzword for, you know, quite some time now. And finally, due to what's going on out in the world, uh, really the adoption of it has been expedited astronomically. So with that, uh, the, the piece of advice someone once told me about digital retailing was this, that 80% of it is the process yeah, and 20% of it is the technology. So, you know, what we do at our dealership, and I will tell you, I think that this is pretty forward thinking and I'll, I'll give a little background on why we did this, but it's it's really, it's not rocket science, if you will. Uh, we used to have the BDC and we saw that the BDC uh, would cause some of those pain points that we addressed earlier on, which was they were contacting the customer. They would be gathering information from the customer and then you'd have that loss in translation moment to what happens on the sales floor. So with COVID um, you know, and I think a lot of dealers are in a similar position. We let a lot of people go um, and included in that was the BDC. Mm -hmm. And now that we're uh, we've kind of reanalyzed our business processes and what's going on with our technology and the staff that we have, where the process now becomes this, our salespeople, are basically internet salespeople and they're getting the leads direct. So they're the people that now you, as a customer of our dealerships, you know, and I advise this for other dealers out there. I mean, that's why we're ultimately talking about this. It's the main point of contact, is someone who can actually answer a customer's questions and get them the information that they want yeah. at the time that they want it. That's very, very powerful. Now you're having an interaction. I mean, imagine, Matt, you are a customer. You get to talk, you know, let's say I'm a salesperson. We're having this interaction. This is very organic. This is a great interaction. You feel comfortable speaking with me, knowing that, okay, now I know who Colin is. I get to go into the dealership and actually speak with him about all the stuff we've already You know, talked about, and there's not going to be that loss in translation moment of he won't know my information. I mean, he's going to know a lot about me. I might talk about my family. I might, you know, whatever it is, your needs as to why you're getting into a new vehicle. So that was one part of the process. I will change. Say it changed with that and staffing. So now the leads going direct to salespeople. Okay, so it's an earlier, instant connect engagement, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's been successful, Um, but. Prior to that, so I do also want to give options for dealers that might still have a BDC. Don't be afraid to let your BDC talk numbers. I mean, I am I am not an automotive expert or salesperson by any means, but I think it's very antiquated when, you know, the mentality is we got to get this person in, we got to get this person in, we got to get this person in. And the right. way dealers would do that is by saying, you know, you can't talk numbers. So... That's another pain point there. You know, I get it. Each person's going to decide to do what they want to do. Each dealer principal, you know, with their process, but be a little more transparent in those transactions. If you're going to keep your BDC around, I think that that's key. And one thing that I can say, and then I'm going to let you talk, Matt, is we uh, implemented a folder process. Very simple. Okay, so we would have green folders here and basically, and the color's
0: not important, but what would happen
1: is as OED <laughs> Thanks came Thanks for the detail.
0: In, I appreciate the detail though.
1: <laughs> yes, right. No, it's, I, I get very into this. So it was green folders. If it was an orange folder, we had problems now. But uh, so it was a green folder. And uh, basically with that, when a BDC person uh, connected with a lead that came in and they would start building out this customer profile, okay, we would ensure that every day, we had set times throughout the day, the folders would... Be brought downstairs to a sales manager. A sales manager would take those folders. They would find a salesperson that they thought would be suited to handle the job, right? Mm-hmm. Whether there's similarities with the person's background or they were an expert, um, you know, the automotive group I represent, we have seven dealerships, so we have three uh, Fiat Chrysler, you know, FCA stores, so Jeep, Dodge, Chrysler, and Ram. You have Ram Expert, Jeep Expert, all these things. So, you know, with that, hey, if someone was coming in on a Jeep Grand Cherokee, well, we want to get them to a Jeep Expert, someone who is certified that sure. they product in and out. Uh, so with that, the sales manager would then hand that folder off to a salesperson, the salesperson would make the appointment or confirm the appointment this is who you're going to be working with hello and from there when the person came in they would either ask for that salesperson or ask for the sales manager and then the manager would do the warm introduction in person um, was that a perfect science no but i think it's so much better than what a lot of dealers might be experiencing which is BDC calls up I'm going to set you up an appointment. You come in at 12. When you come in, they get here and they say, yeah, I'm here to see. Uh, I don't know who I'm here to see.
0: Yeah, right. I agree.
1: Does that make sense? It does.
0: It <laughs> makes perfect sense. Um, cool. You know, I'm just thinking about, okay, online shopping is huge, right? I'm doing more online shopping now than ever before. I uh, My liquor store, local liquor store will deliver yeah. to That's my right. house and they'll put it right on my porch, Right. Uh, it's spring. So I'm doing landscaping, right? Home Depot brought me my fertilizer, my topsoil, my mulch, and that little push cart thing that like spreads it out. Right. Incredible. Yeah. You can get it all delivered to you. I needed more topsoil and I wanted to get it from the local, um, the local, uh, you know, garden center place. It's called Agway. Right. And I go over there and it's mobbed. And I'm like, I'm not going inside place is too busy. And then I see a sign out front. It says, order, order over the phone, and we'll bring it out and put it in your trunk. So I go home, I make the phone call, an hour later, I go down and they put it right in the trunk of my car. So the way that you purchase things is changing. And it's not changing now for the first time, it's been changing for years. And a lot of it probably comes from Amazon, right? And you talk about Amazon in the article that you wrote. And I'll just say this is, I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon, right? And my wife buys a lot of stuff from Amazon. UPS and FedEx are in my driveway all day. I look out my little office window. I'm like, oh, I wonder what we got today. That's right. Sometimes when I'm shopping for something, I'm not ready to buy yet. I go in Amazon and I add it to my cart or I put it on my watch list or save list or whatever it's called. And when I go back, it's there. Or if it's sold out, alternatives are there. The process is easy and it's enjoyable. So why? Are we automotive people? Why are we behind the times? And how has Amazon upped the um, the customers' expectation in that in that way?
1: Sure. So I mean, that's the Amazon effect. That's what we mentioned before. I think you know a lot of people, depending on what state you're in, you know, having uh, different mandates about COVID, right? Being in lockdown. Um, it's funny. I heard this from a comedian, and the comedian said, basically, "Oh, you know, I'm saving a lot of money in uh, quarantine, right? I'm I'm saving so much money in lockdown." Uh, But they were talking about gas money, things like that. Then they look at their Amazon Prime, you know, bills, and those are through the roof. So you're just spending money in different places, and it's pretty funny, um, you know, to really think about it that way. But so, yeah, the experience has gotten so easy with these big e-commerce giants. And, and the reason why I mentioned Amazon and the Amazon effect is because it's a name that everyone knows. Right. And, you know, to your question of why are we behind the times? Well, I think dealers are very resilient people. We've been through a lot. We've been around for a very long time. And, you know, there's dealers out there that have been doing this longer than I've been alive. And you know the fact of the matter is they're still here, so it's kind of like one of those things where if it's not broken, why fix it? But the whole idea becomes now it's now it's getting a little broken. There might be some pieces of it that that aren't you know 100 yeah. percent, and we need to adapt to the consumer shopping behavior because the whole idea behind the Amazon effect is you know they've changed consumer expectations, they've changed consumer shopping behavior. And we maybe will never be Amazon, and, and that's the one thing I want to clarify. It's not that we need to be Amazon. What we need to do is emulate the good things that Amazon does. So the, uh, basically, I mean, overall, customer experience on Amazon is phenomenal. But they innovate. Dealers need to innovate. Their um, you know, customer service is second to none. So we need to have great customer service. And ultimately, what they're experts at is merchandising. All right. so you go on they have every type of product for some dealers I mean and it's it's disheartening to see and, and I, I hate to see it but sometimes we're even guilty of this but merchandising I mean I know there's dealers out there that even struggle to get real pictures of their vehicles on their websites and they're already talking about let's go do digital retailing and let's sell our cars 100% online. well hold on take a step back you don't even have pictures on your website yeah so it's those basic things taking the ideas that Amazon is very good at or the things that Amazon is very good at and saying, how do we apply this to our dealership or the automotive industry?
0: Does that make sense? You know, I talked to seven experts, uh, a couple of months ago. Um, some, uh, you know, like Matt Lasher at Western automotive group, Baba body, Baba body marketing, uh, Todd long, he's a GM out in the Midwest. Uh, a bunch of guys. And I, the question was, will this what's going on now forever change the way people buy cars? And the general consent, nobody, by the way, gave a real answer. It was all like, yeah, maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. I mean, it's same thing. You know, we all had our opinion and our thought process, but I feel like what I took away from it, the general consensus was, if anything, this just showed us that we need to give our customers the option to purchase the way that they want to purchase. Is everyone going to buy their car online without coming to the store? Heck no, not going to happen. Is nobody going to buy their car online without coming to the store? No, people are going to do that. But You need to be available for the customer the way that they want you to be available. And that involves some people moving in an uncomfortable direction, something maybe that they were not going to do before. They don't have to abandon the way they did it, but they have to be open to having some new options for customers.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it. And I, I would. I wish I could give you an answer and say that this will forever change the way people buy cars. You know, um, I was on LinkedIn the other day trying to become more active on the platform, and I believe it was the Airbnb CEO uh, basically said that what's happening now uh, will change the way that people travel forever, right? People aren't yeah. going to travel anymore. Ah, that's a very bold claim. And so, you know, I would hate to make those same sort of claims with the auto industry. But what I will say, and, you know, this is something I heard from an ex of mine. So, you know, insert I will. (laughs) All right. But the whole idea was this. She said, and if there was any any sort of wisdom I got out of that relationship, it was, it's always important to have options. Now, of course, she was talking about clothing, but the (laughs) idea applies here where- You will have customers that want to do everything or the majority of the deal online. You will have customers that want to go to your brick and mortar dealerships and that's it. And you will have customers in between that want to do a portion of the deal online and then still come to the dealership to finalize the deal. Okay. The crazy thing is those numbers now looking at, you know, the, the COVID studies done by Cox Automotive and these different companies. I had the numbers written down, but I think originally it was like 60% and this is going back a couple years and I'm just going through my notes here, but I believe the recent number they just announced was 83% of consumers want to do one or more steps of the purchase online and 70% are more likely to buy from a dealership that they could start the process online and then pick off where they left off at the dealership. Yeah. So hello, it's time to wake up when 83% of your people want to do something online and 70% are more likely to choose your dealership if you have an online process. Originally, I was a little hesitant, too. I will not, you know, I will not say I was always gung-ho about digital retailing. I equate it to the stock market. The idea of the stock market is you want to buy low and sell high, right? Mm-hmm. Sophisticated gambling. The whole idea on the auto side of it became, when are we going to start paying for these digital retailing tools and see the return that we want? I'd hate to be paying. And it doesn't matter what vendor you're utilizing. There's tons of good vendors out there. I mm-hmm. mean, you can choose the tool. It's just about your process, what we discussed. But how long are you going to pay for these tools before they're actually getting utilized? Well, guess what, people? Now they're getting utilized. So it's, it's time to, to say, you know, will it change the industry? I don't think the industry, you know, really will ever be the same. Right. Honestly, I will tell you that. So if that answers your question in a very politically convoluted way, as all of our favorite politicians <laughs> answer their question, right. uh, will it change the industry? I'll say, I don't know. But is the industry always changing? Absolutely. So figure it out for yourself.
0: <laughs> I'll look, I, I look at it. I, I'll simplify it down to all right. pizza. All right. I got like I a ton of pizza places in my town and we visit or take out from different pizza places based on the type of pizza that we're looking for. So like pepperoni with like a a kind of a, a a blackened crispy wood fire crust at the bottom is from a certain restaurant called Italia Mia near me, right? You want a Buffalo chicken pizza. You go to John's best. You want like thicker Greek pizza. You go to the new Milford pizza station, right? Well, I'll tell you what I've been, avoiding some of those places because they will not sell pizza to me the way that I want to purchase it, which is they bring it outside right now. That is the way that I'm buying my pizza. So I go to Italian Mia because you call and you order it. And then when you you give me what kind of car you have. So I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for a cup of pepperoni, gray Nissan Marano. And you get there, you call again and they bring, you pay over the phone. They bring it out to you. At John's Best, where they got the delicious buffalo chicken pizza, I got to go stand in line uh, you know, they got the tape six feet apart or whatever, snake through the, the, the restaurant, but it's hot in there. There's a lot of other angry people breathing heavily, heavily in there. And their process behind the cash register isn't super organized. So you end up kind of standing around too close to people. So even though I want that pizza, I'm going to the place that can deliver it to me the way that I, I can give it to me the way that I want to purchase it. And will that, will I only go there forever? No, probably not, but is that the option that I'm taking that I'm taking advantage of right now? Absolutely. It's the same thing, right?
1: Except I mean, pizza's in the grand scheme of it? Yes. Pizza
0: that, pizza's a lot cheaper though.
1: Awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome <laughs> analogy, pizza.
0: <laughs> pizza's a lot cheaper though. Um okay, so let's talk about so from a practical standpoint, what is uh, Nielsen Automotive doing or have put in place that is uh helping this customer experience this way? And what what's some advice that you would have for other dealer groups that they should make sure they're looking at uh, right now?
1: So I think ultimately, you know, with COVID, you saw a massive resurgence of the desktop. So I mean, people on their desktop devices, that's because they're home, right? Uh, I think that's gonna change as people go back out into the workforce. So obviously mobile optimization of your websites is still key, but what was very interesting to see is that resurgence of the desktop. So I guess the importance of that is just make sure that your websites are optimized. I mean, whether they have uh, fully mobile sites, responsive sites, you know, just make sure that they're they're optimized uh, for easy navigation. Um, I think it was another article I read and I'm constantly reading because I obviously don't know anything, you know, like <laughs> my, my head might be big, but that's because I keep trying to put all this information in. and yeah.
0: eventually,
1: <laughs> out. Um, but it was about mom, the mom test, I believe it was called and it was basically put your mother uh, on your dealership's website or, you know, whoever and tell them to find something and see if they could find it. I like that. So, yeah. I mean, the first step was if they can't navigate the site and can't find it, well, right. they're probably representative of a lot of your clientele, I mean, or yeah. potential customers. So that'd be the first thing, uh, recommendation there. Just make sure your site is uh, you know easy to navigate. Make sure you can find the information, you know, quickly, make sure uh, your main profit centers are easily accessible. Right. So, I mean, you know, you obviously want, you know, new and used, but service, finance, things that people would engage with. It's this high engagement, the high quality engagement centers that you're looking to get people to. Uh, In terms of what we've implemented in the process, I mean, I wrote this piece actually from Click to Brick, which we're speaking about pre-COVID. So I think that COVID has made it more relevant. And we had already addressed the idea of um, not having a BDC. I'm not saying that's, you know, what I'm recommending for people, Mm -hmm. uh, different strokes for different folks. But I do believe that the, uh, process has been, uh, better when a lead goes directly to a salesperson, salesperson feels like they're doing something. They're contacting these people instead of waiting for an appointment that was set. By someone who did all the legwork, calling, email, text messaging. Um, so I think going direct to a salesperson has been something that's actually helped us out astronomically. And I mean, I'll tell you, not to divulge any numbers, but we're basically uh, in line with our sales where we were last June. Uh, and this is, you know, uh, one of our dealerships, I will say. We're in line where we were with sales for last June, obviously last June, we didn't have this pandemic going on. We have about half of our salespeople uh, that we originally had. So we reduced our sales staff in half and we're selling the same amount of cars on track to actually sell more cars. And the kicker is we're actually making more money on the cars. So, you know, it's one of those things where is this the perfect storm and we got to keep running with it? I don't know. I would like to think that that's the case. but. It just goes to show you when you have engaged salespeople that are getting that hot lead and they can talk to that customer right away. There's more magic that happens than if the customer has to wait 15 minutes for a response from a BDC personnel. Who once they actually even get the person on the phone, they say, "Hey, I can't talk to you about that, or I don't know. Let me get someone else to talk to you about that. When can you come in?" Well, hello. That's not what the customer was looking for. So. Two would be after looking at your websites, making sure everything is optimized and uh, mom test proof, if you will, you know, looking at your process, seeing what is the lag time between a lead being contacted by a BDC staff and that actually getting to your salesperson. Because I will tell you, the more time that passes, the more opportunity there is for other dealers to swoop in. Because we know that, you know, customers are just not only shopping you. Okay. We know that. And right. so that's that's the whole thing is, is really reducing that time uh, from the handoff of when something happens when the lead comes in and then getting it to your salesperson as quickly as possible. Last thing I'm going to say, um, you know, we implemented this instant connect strategy, and this is kind of uh, the whole idea about reducing that lag time. So. What we've done, and I actually learned this from Brian Pash, so it's not my idea at all, but I like Brian Pash. I think Brian Pash has some really good things to say. And obviously, with everyone, you listen, you say, hey, I like that, and you take it, and you run with it, and you you go from there. So what he originally said was, if your team, if you think your team and your processes in place can handle this, Instead of having your standard call to actions on your websites like get today's best price. I don't know why everyone uses get today's best price. Yeah, you talk to Cox Automotive, you talk to all these people, depending on your website provider, they say that's the best converting CTA. Well, it's only the best converting CTA because the customer fills that out and they're thinking they're gonna get a price. They don't. Okay, they fill it out: name, email, you know, phone number, blah, blah, blah and they get an autoresponder, they get a BDC person calling them up, I saw you're interested in this vehicle. Yeah, all they wanted was a little price to pop up on that screen. So with the Instant Connect strategy, we've since changed our call to actions on our websites to actually link to our chat company. And so what happens is when someone clicks on, right now we've changed them to request more information because what was happening is uh, just through observation, I still saw that when I had get today's best price, People would want to know what the price was. Yeah. Whereas of course. if we change it to request more information, it makes it a little more generic, but then it gives us a little more uh, wiggle room and leeway to actually start having the conversation with this person. So sure, requesting more information, it might be price that they're requesting, and we don't have a problem talking about that. But that's what we did. So this instant connect strategy, go on one of our websites to hit request more information, which is right below our digital retailing tool um, that we have. And sure enough, the chat will pop open. We'll have salespeople on the chat that will directly speak with you, can walk you through what you're doing uh, while you're on the website. And ultimately, I think that that sort of consultative approach is a little more helpful mm-hmm. getting instant connections
0: there. Man, you said a lot of stuff that I want to comment on, so I had to write yeah. it all down. Let's go back to the BDC. I'm <laughs> notes. Let's go back to the BDC thing. You know, I, you know, you make an interesting point when there is a, I mean, I, I don't think you're saying let's, everyone should eliminate their BDCs. No, 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 no. Don't take that down. I know. But I do think that there's something to be said for the positioning of your BDC. Is it in your building or is it outsourced? Is it one BDC for your entire group or is it somebody who's sitting 30 feet away from the sales manager and can get an answer without having to say, let me get you an answer because let me right. get you an answer is the worst answer you can give. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember going through a couple different chat tools back in the day. Cause there's the, okay, they manage it and send it to us as a lead, which I'm not a huge fan of. There's the co-manage it We do it unless we don't answer it. And then they answer it. And then there's the, we do it ourselves, but then there's no one available when we're not at work. Um, So there's a lot of ways to do it, but I believe that the importance of doing it, yourself. and I'm not doing this to insult the companies who handle it, but I believe the importance of doing it yourself now and having the process in place. Uh, I'm a local tier three level in your building is more important than it was before. I feel like and, and part of it is an infrastructure problem. If you can't afford to have, you know, if you don't have the infrastructure to have three BDC people or have a BDC person on duty all the time, I get that. Maybe it makes sense for your store to outsource it or have it be somebody who, you know, also has another job in the dealership. I get that, but I think there's an advantage to having it Next to you, or behind the sales managers, or in the small building somewhere.
1: Yeah. So our BEC at this store, uh, as I mentioned, seven dealerships. I've I sit at one of them. Um, I'm on the second floor, so I'm not on the sales floor. Our BDC would normally be right outside my office. Actually, you know what? Just for the folks at home, let's be
0: really oh outside. behind the curtain.
1: Okay, wait, hold on. I got my little beach chair there and everything. <laughs> so that's where our BDC would normally be. This yeah. is actually the first day that our lights are on in that area and there's no one there. So, yeah. you know, the, the point being, guys, there was a tremendous shift, as I mentioned, with COVID. And, you know, Matt, to your point, uh, this is not me declaring war on a BDC. I think a BDC can work uh, wonders in different, you know, uh facilities, right? And it's all about your process. Some dealers might have it figured out better than, than we do. And that's, mm-hmm. that's Probably the case. Uh, there's always a brighter red or faster Ferrari I will tell you that and that's one of those things where if someone's using a BDC and it's working for you Keep using the BDC. Okay. Yeah. We found that that process was not as efficient for us um, So we do this normally would handle just this stores uh, inbound leads that BDC here at the other uh, dealerships in the group. There are three that are a little further north in New Jersey. They have a consolidated BDC where uh, the BDC that would normally be on hand would sit at one dealership and handle the leads for the other stores. So we kind of had a mix and match of both. Okay. Um, But like I said, the whole idea is if there's something that works for you, keep doing it. Uh, Yeah, Sorry, I got a horn going out here. Oh, that was you. Uh, They're looking for a car. Uh, The the whole idea then with that and the chat company, just to answer all of your questions, have a dialogue on it. So our chat company is uh, co-managed. I think there are some benefits to that, especially with after hours, right? I mean, as much as I'd love to have people on 24 seven, you know, I understand in the industry, there needs to be a, a quality of life and a work life balance. Although some people say, yeah, it doesn't exist in car sales. Um, but I think it does. And I think that that's actually another thing that dealers need to focus on. But that could be for another conversation. If you'll have me back, um, for sure. please have me back. No, just, <laughs> but uh, all whole idea with the chat then, uh, you know, just becomes, once again, different companies do different things. Some people like managing it all themselves. I think there's a value in that for sure, because you know, okay, that it's X, Y, and Z, you know, it's your staff person who's a certified person who knows their, their knowledge, who knows their stuff and is talking to a customer versus someone who I don't even know where they are. It could be in a third world country who's right. saying, Hey, you know, let me get your name, information, phone number. That almost brings it back to the whole issue that we were having with our BDC, which was instead of answering the questions, yeah. say, great, let me get your information. I'll have someone reach out to you. Yeah. So, yeah. I think parts of the process uh, in terms of what's going on there. And I love all chat companies. Listen, I don't discriminate against chat. Nice. Yeah. But um, with that, you know, yeah. I would say once again, what works for your dealership, if it, if it works, use it. If there are things that you see and that would probably be one of the things I want to address actually moving forward with our customer experience is how do we get more efficient with our chat? Um, but Yes. And then what was the last portion? I'm sorry. or was that it was chat and it was the BBC. Did you have one more note?
0: Mm, No. Okay. You know, just listening to the horn beep outside your window, you know, it made me think about the two things that I don't miss about working inside an automotive dealership was a horn going off in the showroom. Cause my office was like, we were in I was in an, uh, usually most of the time at an, in a Nissan store where you have like the second, you know, the Nissan, we have like the second catwalk up top and my office was up there. And so I would, when a horn would go off in the showroom, it would scare the heck out of me. And then of course it's like a salesperson who's in the lot looking for the car that's in the showroom. Wow. And that's then the cool. other thing, other thing I don't miss is, um, having 800 pictures of, uh, VIN numbers from cars, you know, take a picture of the VIN number to go find the key and key track and that car being buried by in the back of three other cars that I need for a TV commercial in 20 minutes. Yep. That was my yep. other, my but you know what I do miss all the What's food, that? all the food. Cause there's the birthday parties. There's no birthday parties in my home office. No one's, no one's bringing cake in to celebrate genie in accounting's birthday.
1: Uh, well, I will tell you, that's one of the things, um, you know, my three and a half years with this organization, I've, bought, you know, astronomically is, uh, is the food. And so with that, you know, we have a general sales manager, God bless him he loves uh, smoking meats he's oh, a griller yeah. I mean it's phenomenal I'll he does right phenomenal down. things but I'm telling you uh, when he comes up here he's, he's a big guy when he comes up here he says hey I made some food you gotta go eat it I, I actually I say no but I'm afraid to say no because <laughs> I, I know exactly what happens though I see a lot of other victims in the industry that you know are yeah. at their desks they have a lot of great food the yeah. next thing you know they can't fit behind their desk no. anymore
0: <laughs> yeah it's hard it's hard for sure. Um, I just want to switch subjects real quick, if you don't yeah. mind. I was checking out, uh, you wrote another article about your desire to experiment with Pinterest. And it actually reminded me of a couple of, of an episode I did. Actually, i had done two episodes about it. I'll well, just check it out. It was not, not Pinterest. Oh. It was my desire to experiment or just learn more about TikTok right? I don't really know a lot about TikTok. You know, I've seen some some friends on Facebook who have been, you know, quarantined at home, uh, either laid off or working from home and spending a lot of time doing things on TikTok. So I didn't really know what TikTok even was. And during an episode, I went to the TikTok website and I watched some videos live and I talked about what I was seeing. And it came out as like the 40-year-old out-of-touch guy that I am being like, what is this thing the kids are doing? But the reason I did it was because I wanted to know about what are the obviously there's ad, there's advertising it's being monetized so I wanted to know about who's on TikTok what does it do uh, how we how does advertising on TikTok work what are the metrics that are being measured what's the cost per action and you know what you know what's the ROI on it and uh, my quest is to get answers to those questions that was about two months ago I still have zero answers.
1: I, listen, I'm uh, all about quests. I would yeah. love to join you on your quest and please, by all means, keep me in the loop because uh, I think, you know, I'm going to call you an Expera marketer too. Heck yeah,
0: what yeah. I like about. it. Matt Wilson, Expera marketer. Let me write that in a caption right now for our live our viewers.
1: That. I love that. <laughs> and I, you know, I think that's it. Everyone that wants to try something new and innovate in the industry, there's a lot of platforms out there that are, that are untapped and um, you know, I don't know if you had a question about the Pinterest piece, but I can just talk to you about what my desire was, if that's what you, you yeah, wanted to Yeah, absolutely,
0: use. yeah, tell me. Because yeah. I, I- So, um,
1: you know, the piece is a uh, power of the pin. Uh, can Pinterest help, you know, dealers sell cars? And for me, I've always been a big advocate of Pinterest just for what it is, right? It's a place where people go for inspiration. I write in the piece Pinspiration and then I say, all right, I'll see myself out because that's (laughs) probably the worst dad joke ever. Um, But, you know, it really is a platform that, taps into people's lifestyles, right, and and their wants and their needs and their desires. I mean, a lot of people might use Pinterest for, like I said, inspiration, uh, whether it's with recipes or fashion or uh, entertainment ideas, you know, whatever it is, travel ideas. But to me, the importance in that is it's a platform that people go to when they have a, a desire for something that matches into their lives, okay? Mm-hmm. And dealers focus on uh, doing a lot of advertising, and I get it, to get low funnel people. And uh, there's another company that always talks about dealers are actively going uh, after 2% of people at all times, right? So it's like, there's 98% of people in the market, uh, excuse me, out out there, and 2% are in a market for a vehicle at any given time. And all the dealers fight over this 2% of people. Yeah. Okay, so it ends up costing us a lot of money in terms of advertising dollars, and we use uh, ad, you know, avenues or uh, mediums that are, are search engine marketing, display, retargeting, all of that. You could run the full gambit on an omni-channel experience to get those low funnel shoppers. My quest with Pinterest is I am a true believer in a lifestyle. Um, or a vehicle being a big portion of a person's lifestyle and their lifestyle wants and needs, if that makes sense. So for me, uh, the idea becomes how do we fit our brands that we represent into a person's lifestyle moment at that point in time and ultimately utilizing Pinterest's uh, targeting because they do have uh, their own targeting. I'd be more than happy to elaborate on that. I mean, they're, they're Oracle data partners. They have people uh, that you know they know will buy vehicles within the next three months. You do that with uh, different geographies or radius targeting, radii targeting if you'd like. Um, and from there, you're actually getting these people that have a, a tendency to basically convert at a higher rate. They also very similar to Facebook. They have lookalike audiences. All right. So take your, your DMS data, upload it to Pinterest. They'll find profiles that match that same kind of customer uh, behavior, but I'll give you an idea on what I want to test. Okay. So one of the three questions in there were what kind of pins perform the best on Pinterest? And you know, they have static pins, they have video pins, they just, uh, I I guess released one that's a canvas pin so it has a main uh, you know photo at top and then other sub photos on the bottom almost like a carousel effect Uh, so that would be the first question what kind of pins perform the best and hey to any of you guys listening out there guys and gals listening or watching if you have uh, any experience with doing Pinterest ads chime in yeah yeah Matt and I want to know, we want to know, same thing with TikTok. If you guys are using TikTok and used it effectively, chime in because I want to know, Matt wants to know as expert marketers. Um, so one, that was the first question. What kind of ads perform the best? Two, uh, are Pinterest shoppers lower down the funnel than we would originally think? Now, Pinterest uh, usually will say, hey, they're a little uh, earlier on in the purchase decision, right? They're maybe in the discovery phase or things like that. But I will tell you from some initial uh, ads that we've run, and we only did one month of this, and it was only half a month, so it wouldn't really be doing it justice. But the people that actually did get to our website converted on some pretty good things like click-to-chat, click-to-text, incentives, specials, and offers, which makes me think that there's this new audience out there that's actually a little further down the funnel than someone might originally think. That's untapped by dealers, so I need to I need to prove that and continue looking into that. And then ultimately, the third question was: Will they convert on a dealership's website? Um, you know, obviously, I don't expect them to convert at a higher level than search, but you know, could it convert on a equal or higher level to a social campaign? Very possibly. So stay tuned. That's it. Um, I have some awesome, you know, people that I've spoken with at Pinterest uh, through FCA on their tier three level, and they know exactly what I'm looking to do. And I'm not going to stop until I do it. And it might take a couple months, like your little TikTok experiment, still ongoing. And that's in the piece. I mean, this that was part one, the introduction of I don't even know how many. I put a question mark because I want to prove that this is something that you know, dealers can utilize to their advantage and really take advantage of the user base of Pinterest, um, you know, and and fit something into a person's lifestyle. So I'll let you ask a question after this, if you have any, if not, that's fine. But I, one of the things, for example, Pinterest, I I released this post and then uh, a friend of mine from Pinterest said they released a blog post and I clicked on the blog post. It was almost like serendipity, right? So Uh here's this moment that they released this post where they're talking about what people are looking for on Pinterest. And it's the resurgence of the road trip, okay? Like we talked about, people are afraid to travel, right? But they're looking for staycations, so staying at home vacations, or how to take road trips to local areas. Now, it so happens that we have great brands that you could do, you know, a lot of road trip ideas with. One of them off the top of my head and dealers, if you're out there listening and you want to use this by all means, let me know how it goes. But for example, a staycation, how cool would it be to show people in their Ram 1500 pickup truck, how to put a tarp in the back and make a pool so that now they have their own stay at home, you know, staycation. They have a pool in the back of their pickup truck. The Ram becomes the secondary aspect of it, but you're, you're really tapping into a person's lifestyle and yeah. saying, that's a really cool idea. And when someone says, hey, I'm, they're also in market. Remember, we're using targeting with this, too. They see a brand truck. Okay. Okay. I see what we're doing here. So the whole thing, you know, picnics, uh, showing the different features of the different vehicles, how that could work. I mean, Chrysler Pacifica with all the different storage compartments and a vacuum in the back, depending on what model you have, I mean, you know, yeah. do a camping trip outdoors in your Pacifica and you can show all these different features. Uh, and I think that really speaks to that, uh, demographic and that, that user base.
0: I bought a house about a year ago and I thought to my, and I live in very, very, very rural Connecticut, huh? very rural. And in like on top of a hill across from a farm, rural, and I was like, Oh, it's awesome. I was like, I need a pickup truck, right? I need a pickup truck. I'm not really a pickup truck guy, but I'm like, I need a pickup truck. I'm a Jeep guy, right? I've with my wife's always had Wranglers and and I've had Cherokees and my last Jeep was a grand Cherokee and I miss it dearly. You know, I got rid of him when I worked at Nissan stores, it just made sense. So I, and I'm a boat guy, right? I grew up on a Lake. My parents have always had boats. I want a boat. And so when the gladiator came out, I, you know, Auto guys, we're on auto websites all the time. I saw a picture that was on a, um, I think it was on, might've been on just like the, the Jeep, you know, USA site. And it was a Gladiator with the doors off, towing a 24 foot Sea Ray Sun Deck boat, which is like my favorite type of boat. And I was like, oh, that's it. I see myself in that truck going up to the lake in upstate New York that I, I would go to in the summer. I was like, sold. When's my lease up? On my, my Nissan, that kind of experience or visual, uh, Great. for a person is super powerful. And if, if Pinterest can deliver that, then I think that's, I think that's huge.
1: Who knows? Who knows? But that is what I'm talking about. I mean, look at the success. Some brands have like Subaru. Subaru's is actually pretty active. Oh on, man.
0: Oh, uh, are, are they?
1: Yes. Yes. So Subaru's is one of the ones that, um, I think on a tier, I want to say tier. Tier one, tier two level. Uh, They do a lot of support uh, for dealers. But guess what? It's all about. It's about dogs. It's about dog owners and canoes. So people, you know, go on and they're looking for, you know, dog-friendly vehicles or like dog accessories for their cars. And next thing you know, Subaru's popping up. So you pair that with a in-market shopper, uh, you got a pretty good shot, Subaru, of getting that customer, especially when no other players are in the area. So, I mean, like you said, you're a Jeep guy. We have a lot of great, uh, you know, models over here and that nameplate that you could do those towing. Don't try to
0: sell me. I have to tell you. I'm just telling everyone else. Hey,
1: that's very awesome to to hear that experience that you had, because that's, that's my mentality. And I think it's one of those things where it's, it's so simple, right? Like back in high school, I couldn't figure out math questions because I'd be like, Oh my God, it's got to be E equals MC squared to the 10th degree and blah, blah, blah. When in reality it was this very simple equation. Yeah. So that's like advertising on Pinterest. I think it's as simple as showing people an image that fits into their lifestyle and seeing where it goes from there.
0: So let's do this. Let's you're on your Pinterest quest, although you're farther ahead than I am on TikTok cause you're running tests and you're talking to people and you're ready to kind of take it to the trial phase at your, at your, at your group. I'm a little behind on my TikTok quest, but let's, <laughs> let's do an episode and you can co-host with me. Cause I think this is going pretty well, right? I love it. right. Absolutely. So you, you can co-host with me and we'll talk to somebody. We'll find somebody at, uh, you know, either it's one or two people at a, uh, some kind of social agency and we'll talk about uh, TikTok and Pinterest. And I, you know, I, like I know, you know, you talk to Google, Google's got the whole automotive people, right? You go right to the automotive people. I'm not, I'm guessing that Pinterest and TikTok aren't there yet in terms of specifics to our vertical.
1: So Pinterest has it. So really? Maybe, wow. Yeah, if they're listening right now, Pinterest they people interact with that, that piece, the, the Pinterest piece. I will see. And let me see if I can get some people from Pinterest. No promises. Yeah. Let me see if I can get some people from Pinterest on here to talk with us. But I love the idea.
0: Um, let's do it. Awesome. All right. Well, I think this went great. I think uh, we're both wearing cool summer shirts, right? You got, what do you got on there? Hot peppers? We got my, uh, my tamales. Cause
1: I figured, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about some hot, spicy marketing ideas. So
0: where on the Scoville scale is that shirt is the question. Uh,
1: this, this is on <laughs> fire. It's off the Scoville scale. <laughs> it's almost uh, burning my back.
0: <laughs> uh, Listen, there's like a million topics I think we could discuss. Uh, you know, I wrote down a bunch of notes as we were, uh, as we were chatting. So I think uh, we should do another episode. There's probably three other episodes that we can uh, do in our, in our talk. And I appreciate you being the first guest here on the uh, live version of the uh, podcast on restream which allows you to stream live to 30 plus social platforms at once. I think it's pretty cool.
1: It's incredible. And thank you uh truly. I mean that that was a great conversation. These are the conversations I love. It really does make you think outside the box. Um, really great to have these dialogues. So thank you for having me. I look forward to uh to doing it again. All right. Virtual shake. Yeah handshake shake.
0: virtual kids <laughs> you can't real handshake anymore. So <laughs> there you go. All right Colin, <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm gonna put you I'm gonna put Take you care. Guys, Thanks for tuning
1: in, everyone.
0: Thank you. I'm going to put Colin in the waiting room. There we go. Hey, thanks for listening. That was fun to do. And if you're listening like you normally listen to the podcast, thank you for listening. And if you're watching on uh, YouTube or uh, Facebook, then I appreciate uh, you watching. And I appreciate Restream. Restream.io. If you're a content creator and you want to get your your stuff on multiple platforms at once, it sounds like they've solved the problem that a lot of people... Uh, have been having out there, and I think it's—I uh, think it's really great. So, thank you, Restream. Another episode coming up. Uh, I don't know in a couple of weeks. It's weekly ish right? So, two weeks, I guess. Next episode of Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson. Thanks for listening. Mostly Automotive Marketing with Matt Wilson is brought to you by. Wait, this guy has sponsors.